Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth, chapter 11. We conclude it today. Paul boasts in a weird way. This is a fascinating part of Scripture. He boasts in a litany of sufferings, foolishness, persecutions, and his weaknesses. Not exactly something you would see on a virtual leadership conference, but yet it is from our Lord and from Paul's pen and points us once again to Christ. So let's dig in today and see what Paul is saying. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks this morning to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Today we have with us our guest, Pastor Adam DeGroat, who serves Calvary Lutheran Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Pastor DeGroat, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Very nice to be with you today, Pastor Finner, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. It's wonderful to hear your voice again. Now, is this your first time on, well, I think first time on Dice Wrong Word or KFUO? Is this your first time? Uh, no, I, a couple of years ago, I've been uh, on with Pastor Whedon, uh, Dice Wrong Word, uh, a couple of years ago, and then uh, did some other times on the radio when I was uh, affiliated with uh, Mission Field USA. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, it's been a while, and we also found this to be true Um Pastor DeGroat, is that there are people who are new listeners all the time. We've gotten emails that say, it's my first time. So can you tell us a few things about yourself and the work of the saints at Calvary Lutheran for a moment or two? Sure, ab- absolutely. Well, first and foremost, welcome to any of you who may be new or listening in for the first time and then maybe are exploring a little bit about the uh, the confessions and the, and the teachings of the Lutheran Church. And, and uh, I am an adult convert to Lutheranism. And um, came to find, uh, you know, it was about 12 years ago that, um, or longer than that, probably 15, um, that the teachings of the Lutheran Church were uh, probably the most compelling I had ever seen. So, a um, little bit about myself: I'm married to a wonderful uh, deaconess, uh, Melissa is her name, and uh, she is a CDC uh, deaconess. Graduated from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, as, as did I back in 2010. I've served in parishes in uh, upstate New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, uh, Rhode Island, and uh, uh, most recently down here in uh, New Mexico at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, which was a mission plant, and then was called to Calvary Lutheran Church. Um, Ironically, just uh, about eight days before the quarantine began back in 2020, so it's been a a whirlwind, so it's been good. So we've been here at Calvary uh, for just about a year now and uh, a very lovely congregation uh, filled with uh, many faithful saints of God, and and, uh, it's a blessing uh, for us to be here. We also have a son, uh, not not named after any sort of uh, Reformed theologians, I assure you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But is is named after a small little town in uh, in, uh, the northwest corner of Pennsylvania, Knox, PA, and ironically, uh, is named after uh, uh, George Washington's second in command during the Revolutionary War. So a strong name. Wow. And how old is Knox now? Well, if you believe it, he's got two full hands, 10 years old, just turned 10 back in uh, the first part of January. 
Wonderful. Well, the Lord have mercy, as we as we say, but that's great to hear. Great to hear. So today we are uh, digging into 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and w- let's get to it, Pastor. That's why we're here. That's why we're together. Can you begin our time and ask for the Lord's blessings in prayer? We pray. Well, God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah and the voice that came from the bright cloud you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Be with Pastor Finner and I today as we read, mark, and inwardly digest your holy scriptures. Be with those who listen. Send, their, send your Holy Spirit to them that they may hear and be given faith as you have promised. These things we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Reminder to our listeners that if you have any questions for us today concerning our text, you can drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and Pastor DeGroat and I will address that by the clear words of Scripture and the truth that we have in Christ. So as we're concluding uh, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Pastor DeGroat, do you have... Well, I know you have some. You sent me some notes, but some beginning introductory or background contextual things to help us out as we dig in. Uh, yeah, just briefly, I think uh, we we find some some great comfort in the words of of Paul uh, to the people in the church at Corinth um, that are, are are timely and relevant for us because the the major problem that that Paul's addressing here to the church in Corinth is the fact that there's uh, individuals who are within the church, uh, which Paul will mockingly call super apostles, uh, who are preaching um, something that sounds very similar to the gospel of of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, but in reality is actually continuing to lead the people of Corinth into bondage uh, of the law. And Mm. so Paul is is going to do something um, which, you know, is not not, uh, unlike Paul, uh, he he delves into some some very uh, some trepidatious water, uh, in basically making himself uh, much like the super apostles in the sense of what he'll call foolishness, um, and yet that foolishness that he will will willingly uh, enter into is for the sake of and for the love of the people of Corinth that they might see, not not Paul's foolishness because the the gospel he preaches of course is is of great wisdom, um, but the great foolishness of the people of Corinth in following these super apostles. Um, and, and, and yet then to see the great revelation of the gospel of, of Christ crucified for our forgiveness of our sins, which then, of course, then leads to the latter part of the chapter, which then says, well, all these, all these things that I'll give you an account of, you know, um, my lineage, my heritage, I'm, I'm equal to them. But not only that, I've suffered all of these things which will be accounted for in the, in the text. I've suffered all these things not because I willingly have done so, but these are the these are the things that have come to me as a result of the true message of the gospel, and and yet knowing that he's been carried through all of these uh, trials and tribulations, not coming out to boast of of his great strength, but instead, uh, and, and and we'll see it more more closely as you guys look at it next week and in, in the following Bible studies in chapter twelve, mm-hmm. where Paul will actually say, here is what it is that my I'm boasting and I'm boasting in my weaknesses, and yet when I am weak. My Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ is strong. Well, Amen. I think I think we you put it well in your notes where you said you know the super apostles were kind of doing a Jesus plus something else that they were interspersing and and Jesus plus our looks 
Jesus plus our rhetoric, our, our speaking ability, because even Paul says, I'm not a good speaker. I'll admit that, you know, in the previous verses. And it's always like this Jesus plus Jesus plus, which points to ultimately that just because you said Jesus, when you add something, you are a, quote, super apostle or a pseudo prophet, as he speaks about in the previous verses. Any thoughts to that? Yeah, I think, and I think just you know, um, etymologically looking at that, you know, the the addition of the of the prefix super doesn't mean they're super in the sense that Iron Man is super, uh, or that Superman is super. <laughs> you know, super means in, in addition to or adding adding something to, and that's sort of a strange thing because you know, to the extent that we would ever have to add anything to Jesus. Uh, there are some pretty uh, significant ramifications uh, if if something has to be added to the work uh, in the Word of our Lord. Absolutely. So as we look at this, how about we just start digging in? What do you think, Pastor? Sounds good to me. All right. So we are reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, we'll read beginning with verses 16 and 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Open your Bibles and let's go. I repeat, Paul says... Let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with the boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. This is a fascinating way to start because he begins the book as saying he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So you expect him throughout the whole book to say, I'm saying this on God's authority, but here he says this is not on God's authority. What is he saying to us here, Pastor? Well, yeah, first, and then you're right. It's such a strange, strange introduction. And in many ways, it's, it's different, but the same as, as um, you know, John the Baptist needing to decrease. He's not coming to them to ingratiate himself. Oh, uh, he's yeah. coming to them in a lot of ways to basically say, you people of Corinth are very wise. And, and he'll talk about this later. And the people of Corinth were known to be um, very wise in, in the matters of philosophy and in, in worldly matters. And so he's saying that the message that he's, he's going to come to bring to them is going to sound foolish uh, to them, uh, especially compared to what the super apostles are teaching them, because what the super apostles are teaching uh, really makes sense in terms of, of worldly wisdom. But then the other thing that goes with that as well is um, Paul is not just saying that he, he's speaking as a man. Um, to get himself off the hook. But he's saying that basically as these super apostles have boasted of their, of their uh, triumphs, most specifically, you know, we often hear it, unfortunately, uh, well, we worship so many in our church, or this is what happens, and these are the wonderful things, and these are the wonderful benefits. The super apostles were really, really known for, for that sort of boasting. And yet Paul mm -hmm. is saying here in the very beginning, uh, that's foolish. And yet um, I am sort of stooping in a lot of ways to their level but I stoop to their level and make myself a fool willingly because of the great love that I have for you, that I might continue to preach this gospel to you, uh, that I preached to you before, uh, and that you might continue to be kept safe and secure in, in, the, in the wonderful message of the gospel of Christ. And he read this whole chapter, it's a transition where he says, I wish in verse one, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. <laughs> Do bear with me. And he kind of like makes you hold on to your seat a little bit like, okay, what's the foolishness he's speaking about here? And, and then he gets into here. He says, okay, I'm not a fool, but let's, let's lower myself for just a moment. Just a moment. I'm a fool. 
And so I can boast a little bit. And this is how fools would boast. Other thoughts on these two yeah. verses, Pastor? It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you know, he says, I know that I shouldn't boast, but yet, yet receive me as a fool. And I think that goes back to what we're reminded of in the scriptures, is that, you know, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And, and, and that's, yeah. that's sort of the sense that Paul is speaking of it here, is to say, you know, this gospel of Christ is not given to you, the people of Corinth, or you, the listeners of KFUO today, in order to make you prominent within this world. It's not here um, to, to, to give you um, a great, uh, you know, occasion to boast in, in yourselves, but if nothing more. Um, and I think ultimately what Paul is saying is that, and he'll say it in chapter 12, if I boast, I boast of anything, it's my own weaknesses, but even more so I boast and boast in the Lord. And it's ultimately um, rhetorically, but I think even better pastorally. And that's the thing is Paul may not be the best speaker, you know, he reminds me a lot of a guy from New Jersey. He's really to the point. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, yet, and yet he's eminently pastoral. And you can see that as, as, as um, weighty as this, you know, and that's the thing Paul uses. Um, what's at stake here is false doctrine. And, you know, in our churches, we, we often have trouble with that. We, we, talk, we, we have trouble talking about what doctrine is. Um, and, and yet Paul is saying, well, no, this doctrine, this, this teaching of Christ, doctrine is nothing other than the gospel. Jesus Christ has come for you. He's shed his blood for you. He has willingly suffered all of these things, has died for you and has risen again for you. And not only do we, are we able then to boast not of what we have done, but we are given his name in holy baptism and are able to boast of what is true. And I think that's the beautiful thing. You know, our boasting is in, in reality a testimony. And a testimony is nothing other than speaking what God has first spoken of us. And so that's, you know, it's really wonderful how Paul is able to, with great care and pastoral, pastoral wisdom, take these people of Corinth in his hands and say, listen, I'm the fool. I make myself the fool, and I do so for you. Not that you may by knowledge know these things, but that you might know these things by the pure, unadulterated Word of God. And I, I, love, I love how you're saying this, because first of all, this is a very pastoral approach. It's a little bit sarcastic. You know, this, you know mm -hmm. it can be, um, you're reading this, and you, you're going to miss a few things, much like when you send a sarcastic text. You're not quite sure what the person's all thinking when he writes it. But he sticks yeah. with this theme of boasting. This is common throughout the whole book. And in, you know, you said later on, boast my weaknesses. In chapter ten, he speaks about boasting. Those let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Okay, and so this is an important thing for us to remember that boasting is okay in this context. And he very pinpoints what we should boast in by showing what they are boasting in. So let's let's dig into that right now. Eighteen through twenty-one, we get a he almost peels back and reveals to us what's going on with these super apostles. Eighteen through twenty-one. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear if it's some if excuse me. For you bear it if someone makes you slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. What are some things you want to highlight there, Pastor? 
<laughs> oh my goodness, there's so much. You, you know, as, as you see, you know, Paul is. <laughs> You know, he's, he's, he's once ingra- he's ingra- not ingratiating himself, but he's stating the fact. Once again, the people of Corinth are, are, are wise. Um, I, uh, so uh, I boast according to the flesh. And that's not to say, you know, I boast because I have huge, you know, like Hulk Hogan used to say, 24-inch pythons. You know, he does not boast in, <laughs> in his strength. <laughs> you know, and God bless Hulk Hogan. Um, but he's saying here, boasting according to the flesh, because what the super apostles were doing is they were boasting much the same as the Pharisees and the scribes were in the Gospels. Um, we are of the lineage of Abraham. We are of the lineage of Jacob. Uh, we have historical ties to, uh, to the apostolic teaching and the apostolic preaching. And, and, it, and it's true, by virtue of heritage they did. But then he goes on to say, for you, you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. And there's the ingratiating truth. Or you bear it if someone makes slaves of you. But here's where Paul's starting to really get into the crux of the matter. These super apostles that you have let into your own homes, into your own churches, and I think that's the greatest thing to remember in this part of, of, of this epistle, is that the greatest threat to the Christian church does not come from outside of the, of the Christian church. And what a wonderful thing that is for us to be reminded of as we see what's happening in the world around us. But the greatest threat against the Christian church is actually coming from inside. And so he makes the point here. He says, these super apostles are making slaves of you. They're devouring you. They're taking advantage of you. They're putting on airs. And then not only that, but so just real quick with that. Um, so you bear with uh, – so he says, make slaves of you. So what they're doing is they're making slaves of the people of Corinth, and they're keeping them in slavery to the law. They're devouring you, in other words, requiring more of you. And then, ironically, they also charged for their services. So it was a very good money-making business for these apostles. So they would say, do this, do that, and then pay this and pay that, and then the people would. Uh, They're taking advantage of you, and then the last part there, striking you in the face, is that even more abhorrently, these super apostles would actually physically and and verbally abuse the people of Corinth. And so Paul's saying, Mm. you're willingly willingly suffering these things from these people. And so I'm coming to you, Paul, not from this perspective of strength, but I'm coming to you from a position of weakness. See me as the fool that I am, but understand that my foolishness is wiser than even the wisdom of men, and it is for your good, and it is for your benefit. And once again, he... He speaks, I would say this is a very pastoral move, too. He says, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. Now, here's, I'm a little bit struggling with that verse, but here's what I found when I was studying it, is he's basically like, all this you're allowing them to do to you, I can't do that. Like, I I just, I can't do that. Like, I, I'm too weak to have someone do that to me. You know, and so he's just he's admitting that, wow, yeah, there's a lot going on here and I am weak. But now let's talk about what we can boast in. Any thoughts on that or thoughts in direction you want to look at that? Well, I think about it. And, that's, and it's a good point that you bring up there, too. But, you know, when we were back in Philadelphia and it was and much credit is, is owed to Pastor Mark Jasa. And he's a wonderful man. Um, we used to go out to uh, Temple University with a, just a simple little sign that said religions for the weak. And, and, and it goes back to what, you know, that old hymn, or not a hymn, but the song we used to sing, Jesus loves me. Uh, we are mm-hmm. weak, but he is strong. And what Paul's saying here is that, okay, I, I, I'm too weak. This law, what the law requires of me, I am too weak. I can't bear it. I have seen and revealed, and it's been revealed to me that what the law requires of me, I cannot do. I am too weak. And yet, even in that weakness, Christ has come and fulfilled this law for me. 
And so I'm too weak to bear in their suffering because what they're requiring of me is too much. And, and, and so he's then sort of pastorally saying, and so it, so it is true for you. Although the law makes sense to us, what we're saying is, is that what the law requires of us is impossible. And so he's saying, I'm too weak in that particular sense, basically to say, I cannot fulfill the law yet for me, Paul, and for you, the people of Corinth, and most blessedly for us, for us, the listeners of KFUO, Jesus is the one, though we are weak, he is strong, he fulfilled the law, and he has given us all of the benefits of his righteousness, because that's what we see with the super apostles who are preaching a false righteousness, or a false, a false Christ. And so righteousness is nothing other than the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul's saying here, don't forget, we are weak, and yet Christ has come for the weak. And he has come for the weak, not necessarily to make them strong in terms of running a race, but to make them strong and to give them sort of a backbone is to say, I am the one that stands you up. I am the one that gives you life. I am the one that gives you forgiveness. And it's interesting, too, because I, I know Pastor Jasa, and, uh, and and he did this during seminary in St. Louis when I was there, and he would go to uh, Wash U and Fontbonne University next to the, the campus, and he would put out that box. I mean, kind of a lame-looking box, <laughs> if anything, yeah. and it, it right. just slaps on a piece of paper that looked lame in 2002. But I hope he's listening today, because this is really fun. But uh, um, you put that on there, and people just come talk to him, and you would have one group of people, a Christian, saying, religion's not for the weak, you know I'm strong. And, and he goes, Oh, really? You're, you're not weak. And then you'd have others. Yeah, man, take down religion. They're awful. And, and it goes back to also, you know, Jesse Ventura, um, when he was governor of the great state of Minnesota back in the day that he said, you know, religions for the weak. And for us as Christians, we need to be better at saying he's right. It is for the weak. And guess what? That's you and me. That is you and me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so wow. funny, too. Here we have two references already to professional wrestlers, and we're talking about weakness. Um, but, you know, what Pastor Gaysa, <laughs> <laughs> what Pastor Gaysa and what, what we were able to see at Temple University is that's the very much the posture that Paul is taking. You're going to these places not with this, uh, this position of proclamation, not with this proselytizing, but with this position where you're sitting and basically making yourself weak or making yourself, I guess, subject to the thoughts and opinions of these college kids. And, and you know, they're, they're worldly. They know a lot of things, and yet you are coming to them from a position of weakness. And yet within that weakness, to be able to proclaim that it is not my strength, but it is Christ who continues to strengthen us. So Paul is right here lowering himself um, not as a weak person. I mean, he knows that from the beginning. What he is saying is that he's lorn himself because so are the super apostles. They are weak also. The, the problem is not, are you weak? The problem is, are you a fool? So he's taking a moment here to lower himself to their level of being a fool, admitting that he's weak, and then he's going to make the arguments that they're they're making and saying, here's where we are the same. Here is where, quote, I am better in a weak sense. And this is where we should be looking towards. I think that's a great way for us to look at as we look at the after the break. Right now, we need to take that break. Um, we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with Pastor Adam DeGrote. We will be right back.
In 2020, the world was blindsided. At the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we quickly refocused on how to best serve the church. Our COVID-19 response team took action, reaching out and listening to our borrowers. In response, we offered a number of financial remedies that allowed our borrowers time to stabilize. We also provided online streaming kits for churches, gift cards for food pantries, financial support for LCMS church workers, and much more. Life's not yet back to normal, and that's why we're still here for you. Visit lcef.org to learn more. A hardened ranch hand bears wounds from the past. As hard as I might try, there are people I cannot forgive. But can he overcome his bitterness? Your memory of your pain is greater than the memory of your deliverance. To protect the son of his best friend. I will give my life to save yours. When Quicksand threatens to kill him. Don't do this. Quicksand, the exciting new audio drama on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 11, concluding chapter 11 with Pastor Adam DeGroote. So far, some of the highlights have been focused on what is foolishness, what is weakness, and also, um, not more so than this, but quite fascinating is that we have quoted uh, two WWE wrestlers, or WWF, I suppose they were, and mentioned Superman and Iron Man. The question is, what reference will come next, Pastor? I don't know. We'll figure it out as the time goes forward. <laughs> All right. So we get to verses 22 and 23. Now he's starting, he's putting it out in front of everybody. Here is the boasting. Here it comes, full bore, boasting. If you're going to boast, I'm going to boast, and let's see what comes out of it. 22 through 23. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. What is Paul doing here, Pastor? Holy Mac. Well, it, 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 it's certainly foolishness, right? You know, it's, it's probably, I've thought about this many times, even as I was in the mission field is really what, what we see here is that as we look at Christ on the cross, what he's doing is he's calling all people unto him, but, but really calling us to suffer with him. And, mm-hmm. and, and Paul is articulating that as, as an apostle of Christ, is that he's, he's saying, okay, he's not saying, well, when, when I became a Christian, I got the Ferrari, I got the girl, I got the job, and that everything else fell in line. In fact, the exact opposite is the case. I, as an apostle of Christ, you know, yes, of course, I am a Hebrew. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, and we'll see this in the book of Acts. But I'm also a descendant of Jacob. Um, uh, I am a seed of Jacob, the seed of Abraham. I'm an heir of all the promises of Abraham, as these men are. But even more so, he's the spiritual seed, because this is the thing that they misunderstood in, in the Gospels. They believed that they were sons of Abraham by lineage. But Paul is making the very clear point here, most specifically for the Gentiles, which thankfully, and thanks be to God for us, 
He's saying mm-hmm. he is the spiritual seed of Abraham by faith, as Abraham mm-hmm. was, because what, what Abraham believed was simply the promise, the word of God. I'm not inferior. Um, so he's going on and in, in, in articulating in, in, in that particular fashion. So he's checking off the list because guaranteed the super apostles are going down a list. She's like, all right, you got your list. I'll show you mine. Okay, so let's go down this list. Check, check, check. So am I, so am I. And then he gets to servants of Christ. And he kind of is like, okay, they do use the word Jesus. <laughs> but guess what? I'm a better one. What is? And then he talks about being a madman. I mean, this is something where um, you're like, okay, uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church, you're you named your guy after a madman. What is he? <laughs> what is he saying here? I mean, what's he talking about? Madman, better one, all that. Well, sure, yeah. And I think about it, and I can't remember if it was C.S. Lewis or, or G.K. Chesterton, but you know, he's when 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 those apologists are talking about Jesus, is that you know, if if what basically what Jesus is saying is true, then he's to be taken as a madman because how our Lord presents the way of salvation. Um, and you'll see it, you know, most recently, I'm in the one-year lectionary, so Peter, prior to the transfiguration, he's told of the fact that Jesus, he doesn't struggle with the fact that Jesus is God, but what he struggles with is the fact that now this plan, and this is the madness of it, right, the craziness of the fact, he, Jesus says to Peter, I am going to the cross, and I am going to die. That sounds like craziness. That's madman. And so, Paul's saying, okay, I sound like a madman here. I'm talking like a madman. And so he's saying that he's a madman here and saying, what's happened as a result of me when I've become an apostle is the following things. All these things you're going to hear, I have suffered because I have continued to proclaim the truth. And, and so he's, the super apostles are saying, okay, uh, peace, peace, all is well with you. All these things will fall in line. Don't worry. Everything will be wonderful. And Paul was saying, well, well, no, certainly we live in a, in a world that is redeemed. But the reality is, is that I have gone out. What I have seen for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of proclaiming the gospel, is these countless things that have been done to me. And what's strange is that as he writes it in 2 Corinthians, there are still a number of things that have not yet happened to Paul um, yeah. as yeah. he continue to go through his missionary journey. So Paul is writing this, for example, the imprisonment. Paul had only been in prison twice prior to, to, to writing to the people of Corinth. Um, scripture gives us two other times, but then I think it's St. Clement of uh, St. Clement tells us that Paul was actually in prison seven times. And so <laughs> just the imprisonment, just be alone, never mind the 40 lashes minus one or the beating of rods, which we'll talk about in just a second. I was going to say, yeah, but you're going too Paul, fast here. You're going too fast. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, he's saying I'm a madman because who in their right mind? For, just to, for the sake of discussion, who would sign up for this? And he right. says, and he, but he's not saying, and yet I have, because we know from Paul's conversion experience, and we see this in Acts chapter 9, Paul was not a willing convert. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right. And yet all of these things are done to, and all of these things are done for Paul. And then by virtue of these things being done to and for Paul, the people of Corinth are the benefactors, as are we in our own day. And it makes me think of, you use a reference to Peter. So as we look at these next verses, we think of Peter, you know, he's able to say, you know, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, that's just, that's easy. But then when it's like, but wait, 
I'm going to have to die and rise on the third day. Well, I don't know. I don't know about this. Get behind me, Satan. You know, Jesus says. And and you look at all this and, and it's... Um, it's something It's very easy for us to say, that's who you are. And that's kind of what the super apostles are doing. That's who you are. But they're in their comfortable, you know, lazy boy chair and telling people all these things. And it's one thing to confess it. It's another to have to look for Peter, look at Jesus, get arrested and die on a cross. And it's another thing for us to confess this and then possibly have persecution. So super apostles have some of the words right. They're saying Jesus correctly. Yeah, they sound really good. Now let's get to, you know, let's get to it, get to the forefront of this. What does Paul have to go through as an apostle of Jesus? Not a super apostle, but just a plain old apostle. So let's, let's, let's dig into that. 24 sure. and 25, we find out. Um, let's see here, right? We're at 24? I'm sorry. Do, 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 do. Yes, 24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. We're going to get to more of those later, but these are very specific in these verses. So let's just look at each one of them. Five times I received at the hand, um, 40 lashes less one. What is that, Pastor? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 3. And then and so what we understand is that the punishment that was able to be legally meted out um, for, for speaking out in, in some way, shape, or form um, was not to be greater than 40 lashes. And so yet what we see here is Paul saying, okay, not just once, but five times. And even <laughs> more so, <laughs> okay, the lashing, the 40 minus 1, was a very unique punishment that was resigned only to the Jews. And so what Paul's saying here with this is that, okay, my own people from the, from, from the, lineage, uh, from the lineage of Abraham, my own people have lashed me 39 times. Uh, and, and this has been done because I continue to speak the truth. Okay, and then uh, three times beaten with rods. So then he's been saying, okay, but the beating with rods um, is, is a, a very unique Roman punishment. And so Paul's hmm. saying here, I've been beaten. So he's kind of like, you know, it's a Johnny Cash song. Here's your reference, right? Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, right? <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. So what Paul's saying here is, okay, whether it's with the Jews, they will not, you know, the Jews will not suffer this message of the gospel to the extent that they beat me 39 or lashed me 39 times. Neither have the Gentiles, specifically the Romans, heard and received this message, so much so that they gave me the beating with the rods. So I suffered both under Jew and under Gentile, simply because I have gone out and proclaimed the word of Christ. Um, and so we see this, the beating with rods, there's only one reported act of this, and it's in the book of Acts, chapter 16, mm-hmm. uh, verse 23, but the two other times are not mentioned in any other places here than, than, than in Second Corinthians 11. And then the being stoned is um, that's from Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Um, and it's, it's, it's simply saying that, you know, the, the act of stoning um, would have most assuredly brought St. Paul to the point of nearly being dead, as if lashings and beating with rods was not enough. Um, the point is, is that Paul has been brought under the point nearly of death simply because he is going out and proclaiming the gospel. And, and, and he's then juxtaposing it in some way, shape, or form against the super apostles who continue to present this message that is basically anti-Christian or anti-Christ, because what Christ is saying is that, okay, as we're reminded, 
What does he call us to? Well, he calls us to a suffering as his is. And yet, even in that suffering that will be like his, he will continue to abide with us. And that's the thing that Paul continues to want to remind the, the people of Corinth of as he accounts these, uh, these um, uh, terrible, terrible punishments. He's not saying, look at the punishments, but he's looking at it and saying, the punishments are going to come. And yet, even in the midst of those punishments, we are certainly weak. And yet it is Christ who continues to make us strong. And that's where in Acts chapter 14, I and mean, we don't have references to the others to this point. You know, we don't, we don't really, Paul doesn't say in the book of Acts, and Paul, you know, was beaten with rods. And it's amazing to me when you watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ, is that Jesus, you know, receives this punishment of 39 times. And, and then, okay, that's one time, that's Jesus. Paul did it five times. I mean, it makes my back hurt or whatever part of the body they use. It makes me even... I can't even imagine that, let alone recovering from it, let alone it happening again. So Paul has gone through a ton. Um, and the stoning was not just like, I threw one stone on my head. Oh, that hurts. You repent. Yes, move on. I mean, in X 14, it says that they thought he was dead, dragged him out of the city. But yet he went into town the next day. I mean, the guy, the guy's, <laughs> this is crazy stuff. He was shipwrecked, and he, we, and this is before he's even shipwrecked later on in the book of Acts. So he has all of these things. He's pointing to this, like you said, not for the sake of his glory, but he's going chest to chest to the super apostles and saying, all right, all right, let's go down this list again. You know, um, are you, have you suffered for the sake of Christ? And right now, I think they would hear this and go, well, hmm. Paul's done a little more than us. Now, how are we going to wiggle our way out of this? Last thoughts on these specific yeah. examples of persecution he's experienced? Yeah, and I think just real, real quick to add to that, too, is that, okay, yes, he's not saying it, okay, but that, okay, you're seeing what I've done, so now do the same. Because right. once again, remember, really, Paul has been called sort of as, a, he's been called out of off the Damascus Road, baptized with scales falling from his eyes. And so it's not something he entered into. But I think that's the most important thing, is that what the super apostles are saying is, just in, a, in essence, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus, make a decision for him. And Paul is mm. saying, well, no, listen, Christ has chosen you. He has chosen you. He has chosen me. My lot is very different. And yet what these super apostles are teaching you is that there will be peace, peace, whatever it happens to be. And yet... Uh, and I think that's the wonderful thing to be reminded of, is that he's not saying suffer as I do. That would be, as we know as Lutherans, that would be a law statement. What he's mm -hmm. saying is, I have suffered as a result of the gospel, and yet I continue by the grace of God to proclaim the gospel, because it is only the gospel that has been, been able to give me strength. My goodness, how else could you in, in, in actually suffer 40 lashes minus one uh, five times, um, <laughs> or, or be stoned and, and actually live through it? Um, and yet, you know, it's not, once again, not the emphasis on the suffering for Christ. You know, that's the thing. You know, we don't get to choose how we suffer for Christ. The reality is, is that that is our, that is our, our wonderful lot. Um, and yet the beauty of being able to suffer with Christ is that we don't suffer alone. And so we mm -hmm. don't suffer alone because he's with us by his word. He's with us by the sacraments. And if that weren't enough... He then knits us into a family. He gives us a Christian church. He gives us a pastor. He gives us good Christian brothers and sisters to share in that suffering together. And I think that's the thing that the super apostles weren't teaching. Um, you know, 
although as Americans we have this sort of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps mentality, you know, that's not uniquely American. That's a way of the law. And so the people, the super apostles were saying, well, no, I mean, by virtue of this, everything should be good. And if it's not, then you're doing something wrong. And yet Paul is saying, well, no, all these things that appear to be wrong, me suffering in this particular way, is for the joy that is set before me, as it was for Christ. He suffers willingly, and he suffers for our sake and for our good and for our forgiveness. And so Paul knows this foundation when he is going through the suffering and like you said, it's not for the sake of, like you say, it's not for the sake of his glory by any stretch. And it isn't, he's not necessarily saying, and to God be all the glory, right here at least. He does in other parts of scripture. Right. But he, sure. the foundation is a quote that you actually quoted and haven't mentioned yet, is a Nagel quote, a Nor- Dr. Norman Nagel quote from, you have mm. former uh, professor at, uh, at St. Louis. But he said, the law expects results. And this is exactly what the super apostles are saying. Look at Paul. What has he done? You know, how many people have come to his revivals? How many people, how many things has he done? How much is he charging for every time he speaks? You know, he addresses this in the verses prior to this. The law expects results. The results, results, results. But the gospel, and Paul knew this as he's going through all this, the gospel knows no limit nor time. What, how important is that foundation as Paul's going through all this? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm so thankful. I was a, a, a student at the, the seminary up in Fort Wayne. I never was able to meet with uh, dear sainted um, uh, Dr. Nagel. Um, but this is something that, that came in front of me just a couple of weeks ago. And I think you're absolutely right, is that, you know, we are inclined by virtue of our, by virtue of our, our, our sinful nature. The law makes sense. It makes sense that, you know, you do this, then that happens. And, you know, so that's what made the teaching of the super apostles so appealing. Um, You know, do this, or like we see in the Roman Catholic Church, say 14 Hail Marys and seven Our Fathers and two Acts of Penance. It makes sense by virtue of our understanding of the law. But the problem with that is that, okay, the law then says you'll have these results as the case of, as a result of these things. But Paul is saying, well, no, listen, actually what has happened here is that, okay, Christ has said from the cross, it's finished. And that means the act of salvation for us that is finished. And yet we know that we're still waiting for his his second coming, Christ's second coming. And so this gospel that then proceeds from the mouths of these apostles um, is is something that, you know, we think about it with regard to Christ, is that, you know, on the cross, who could, of all the people that Jesus ministered to, who could, who could Christ say was there that, that, that believed that he was the Christ? And the reality was is that by virtue of, you know, contemporary mission plans, Christ failed. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and yet um, it's not a matter of, of necessarily how many people are there. The gospel doesn't expect those results, but the gospel always delivers. It always delivers peace. It always delivers forgiveness. It always delivers mercy. And that's the thing that Paul's making the emphasis of. I've received mercy, even though men have been unmerciful to me, even though, and you'll see this with Joseph, you'll see this with Jesus, what men have intended for evil, God has intended for good. And the same thing that Paul is saying, in in essence here, what these men have intended for my evil is what I should expect as a disciple of Christ. And yet, Christ has continued to sustain me through all of this in order that, if nothing more, I am able to put into your ears again, dear people of Corinth, this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ, 
dying and to forgive your sins, rising again for your justification, and that you might be comforted. That this uh, gospel, which has no time nor limits, will last forever. Super Apostles' promises were short-lived at best. Now, there might be a there might be an occasional situation where someone will say, all right, he went through all this, clearly his faith was not strong enough. So just to make it very clear, Paul continues beyond the specifics in 26 and 27, and let's see, was the problem he wasn't strong enough in faith, and that's why bad things were happening to him? And let's just think about that for a little bit. 26 and 27. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, (laughs) danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So what... (laughs) He says danger a lot in there. What's what is he? I mean, he he keeps going, but what is he pulling together here? He continues on this. He continues on this theme. So, what is he pulling us towards here? I think uh, what I think, Pastor, uh, it's such a wonderful thing because you know it sounds it sounds harrowing, and it was. I, I, I'm sure it was. Um, but what Paul's really doing here is he's he's really painting a good picture of the fallen world. Um, mm. Because when you see this out there, and you said, you know, it's one of the things that you know, my wife Melissa and I talk about it too, is that you know, we often have this view of the world that's very sanitized, that's love and whatever it happens to be. Um, but you know, the reality is, is that the fallen creation is fraught with perils. It is fraught with dangers, and the world in which we live in is is one that that, that is seeking in many ways to kill us. Uh, creation is groaning. It is in peril. It is in agony. All right. Well, let's continue on here. As he was saying that the world is broken and unforgiving, but yet our Lord Jesus is forgiving. And our Lord Jesus is with us through it all, through danger and wilderness, danger and sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and all of this, our Lord Jesus is still with us. So let's continue on. We have about seven minutes left here. 28 and 29. And apart from other things, there is daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. We'll stop there for a moment because here he speaks about the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul goes through all of these things. The beatings, the rods, um, the, the stonings, the shipwreck, everything else, the danger from robbers and people and everything else. And this is what I love of what Paul says here, is that Paul is speaking about all of these things. And what is he ultimately concerned about? He is concerned about anxiety for the churches. He's concerned about the churches, concerned about their souls, and concerned about their welfare in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're absolutely right, is that, you know, yes, I mean, Paul's articulating the dangers of this world, and, and yet, and, you know, how you think about this with regard to Noah, is that, you know, Noah builds the ark, and for, for 100 years and more, you know, people walk mm-hmm. by it and, and, and fail to see the great refuge um, that is being built. And, and so it is for our churches today, is that, you know, the church exists, and there's a reason we call the center part of the church the nave. 
For the church is the ship, a, a, a sail on this world, and that is a stormy sea, are not uncommon. I've gone through them, but so do you. And yet, I have anxiety, which is sort of strange, because Philippians 4, right? Paul says, don't worry. But yet his anxiety is not necessarily, okay, I'm worried, I need to go see a counselor about this. But he's saying, I'm worried because I simply want you to understand that in the midst of this dangerous world, there is solace, and there is safety, and there is forgiveness. And it is found only in these churches, which by the grace of God, throughout all these missionary journeys, um, uh, that have been able to be planted simply based upon the Word of God. And that goes back to this pastoral understanding of Paul when he writes this, is that he is making an argument, he is pointing them back to Jesus, not for the sake of of counting numbers. He's not for the sake of proving how great he is. He is always talking about how I'm doing this in the name of the Lord, and if I were to boast, I boast in the Lord. And that's where we ended here in verses 30-33. Pastor, we have about just under um, five minutes, and so let's read this, and we can wrap everything together here on what is Paul's main point here. So 30-33. If I must boast... I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eratos was guide, guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped with his hands. Interesting enough that that last part is like, oh, that's interesting. That happened in Damascus. So we could talk about that for a long time. But I wanted to focus on if I must boast, I will boast in my weaknesses. You touched on this throughout our time together here, Pastor. Why is that so important for Paul and for us? Well, and, and it's, a, it's a great question, because what else is Paul talking about ultimately here uh, is what, what is this weakness he talks about? The weakness is, and we know it, and like I said at the very beginning of, of the show, is that we boast of our weakness, and we do this in a very contemporary and relevant way at the beginning of every single divine service. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever deceived you, etc., and so on. And we begin to see here as Paul is boasting, and this, this boasting in weakness is to say, I come to Christ who is strong, Knowing, as we see in the small catechism, yes, we confess our sins because we know that the law compels us to do so. We are brought to repentance. But secondly, and most importantly, that we believe that we are receiving absolution, that is forgiveness, that is from the pastor as from Christ himself, not doubting but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. And so we come to our Lord in weakness. I think about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple. The man in the back of the temple can't even look up. And yet it is he who receives and goes away from the temple justified. And that's precisely what Paul's saying here. I come to you in the weakness that I am. You are strong, and you have come because I am weak. And yet you have given me this strength that is yours, your forgiveness, your righteousness, your perfection, your name. And it has all been bestowed to me. And dear people of Corinth and dear people of Teofiel, it is yours. It is your possession simply by the waters of baptism and the proclamation of our Lord and Savior. As we look at what he says in verse 31, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. He is telling the truth. He is telling for you, as you just said so well, 
and it is all on account of Christ. If you were to sum up these verses today, Pastor, in a word or two, or maybe a little, even a sentence, what would it be? I think it goes back to what Dr. Nagel reminds us of. He's that the, the, the law expects results, and yet the gospel that is so freely given to us knows no time and knows no limit. It is given to us freely. It is given to us in abounding ways within the, within the Christian church uh, by faithful men of God who have been sent to bestow these gifts of God uh, to us uh, that has given us salvation and life everlasting. So if we are to boast, we will boast in the Lord in our weaknesses, because when I am weak, it is the Lord who is strong. Pastor Adam DeGroat is pastor of Calvary Lutheran Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. My first person from New Mexico. How awesome is that? I don't know. I, I hope I set a good precedent, and rather what not not a not a low bar. That's right. Helping us today in the verses, uh, uh, the last verses of Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Pastor DeGroat, thank you for being our guest. My pleasure, Pastor Finner, and the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you very much. I'm your host, uh, Pastor Brady Finner of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Saints of our Lord is our Lord Jesus who is strong, even though we are weak. Although there might be suffering, our Lord Jesus will never leave us. He is our Emmanuel, and the Lord will always be there for you. Thank you for joining us this morning, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>